This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And welcome back to the Alignment Zone podcast presented by Blue Dots Partners. If you are ready to take your business to the next growth stage through a proven, prescriptive, data-driven methodology, then you need to contact Blue Dots Partners today. On today's Alignment Zone is Knock Knock, and they are the trusted leader in passwordless consumer authentication to the world's largest organizations. In today's show, we'll feature their CEO, Philip Dunk Dunkelberger. Knock Knock empowers global organizations to improve their user experience to access digital services while meeting the most advanced privacy requirements. Did you know that passwords are the root cause of 80% of data breaches and up to 51% of passwords are reused? 33% of online purchases are abandoned because of forgotten passwords. These three reasons alone drive Knock Knock and their team to deliver unique inventions around the standards-based passwordlessness to consumers. They're headquartered in Silicon Valley, and the company was a founder of FIDA, which is Fast Identity Online. Today, their partners are household names like Hitachi, T-Mobile, Intuit, Verizon, and many others. Here's Dr. Buisu in the Alignment Zone. It's 8 a.m. Monday morning. You lead a business facing its moment of truth. What will you do to outpace the market and grow faster than your competitors? There's only growth or death. The answer lies in the alignment zone. This is Dr. Philippe Buissou. We call him Dr. B. His dad held the keys in France to the nuclear code. Dr. B worked directly for Steve Jobs building Apple's e-commerce business, and he still wears black in homage to Steve today. Dr. B's got this great accent, so listen carefully. Early on in the show development stage, Dr. B questioned whether we should use medical terms or not. You see, he's a doctor, but a doctor in chaos theory, physics that is. But he's not Quincy M.E., the famous medical examiner. You don't want a coroner showing up at your business. And he's not Dr. Phil either, although he listens carefully, he's a straight shooter, and has a sense of humor and they share the same hairstylist. He's most like Dr. House, the genius doctor that solves medical mysteries when no other doctor can figure it out. You see, that's the case with Dr. B, and he's concerned about providing a prognosis for your business to help you grow. Let's join Dr. B in the alignment zone. At Buddha's Partners, we have consulted and mentored hundreds of leaders. Their skill sets often vary relative to using insights-based decision-making. Our quest in the alignment zone is to help company leaders cross the chasm between data with insights and creative solutions. Today, 
I'm in the zone with Philippe Dunk, Dunkelberger, CEO of Knock Knock. Knock Knock enables business leaders like you to improve the customer experience, drive more revenue, reduce fraud, and lower operational costs. With Knock Knock's authentication platform, your users can log into web applications and native apps on any device conveniently and securely, from iOS and Android phones or tablets, and smartwatches to Windows and Mac computers, even kiosks or smart TVs using the biometrics or PIN on the device, or from an external security key, removing the need for passwords. And behind the scenes, Knock Knock turns any device into a strong multi-factor authenticator, leveraging the FIDO standard, making it easy and quick to deploy, and all without any of the complexity exposed to the user. As an inventor of FIDO, our platform sets the standard for FIDO-compliant deployments and also raises the bar with years of innovations based on real-world experience necessary to support all use cases and to drive adoption. Major brands have successfully deployed the Knock Knock solution to hundreds of millions of their customers with impressive results including increased authentication speed and success rate, reduced call center and operational costs, and reduced account takeover. Proven, scalable, easy to deploy, and future-proof. Knock Knock is the trusted leader in passwordless customer authentication solutions. Let's start this journey together. Knock Knock, know who's there. You are going to hear about the value of asking the right questions. For your business, if you were to know the answer to particular questions, would it make a difference in how you look at or think about the business challenges you face? The logical starting point for achieving growth is to frame the problem by deciding the critical questions that must be answered. This is Dunk's sixth startup and is applying the wisdom of strict experience and past mentoring to Knock Knock. Dunk made a profound statement near the end of our session that we are going to share now. The best thing I've learned in my entrepreneurial journey, this is my sixth startup. But I learned this from a gentleman who taught me when I was a sales trainer at Xerox. He said this, Phil, you know, in math, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. He said in business, the shortest distance between two points is the distance you don't have to walk. <laughs> and he said the secret to the success is find people who've done it who are smarter than you, better than you, and listen to them. Because that is the shortest path to success. At Blue Dots Partners, we realize that businesses want the fastest way to growth, or the shortest path, as Dunk puts it. That's what true alignment accomplishes. Here is my one-on-one -on -one conversation with Dunk that leads to building the right growth playbook. If you can ask the right questions and frame the problem properly, then you can expect to accelerate the speed of growth. Dunk, welcome to the Alignment Zone. I don't know anyone who likes passwords. Yet, passwords are the way we protect the most precious assets of our digital lives. We simply can't live without them. The numbers around hackers of passwords are alarming. Every second of every day, there are 579 attacks or 18 billion attacks every single year. That is stunning. Both you and I worked at Apple at one time. Steve Jobs taught us the lesson that success comes from failing to make things complicated. In other words, simplicity drives success. It is clear to me that users wish for security 
and passwordless lives. Dunk, will Knock Knock fulfill our wish? Uh, I, I think that we're on our way to doing that. Fundamentally, what we've been trying to do over the past few years, along with all of our industry partners, whether it be Apple or Microsoft, Google, we've been working very hard on a protocol that would give you the ability to ultimately eliminate passwords, to be able to log in with very simple things, gestures, a selfie, a fingerprint, uh, a pin that's secure, uh, and at the same time, find a better security underneath it that the user doesn't have to deal with. Today, uh, it's way too complicated. And that's because yeah. over the last 50 years of using uh, passwords as a way in, as a credential, we've tried to band-aid it. We, we've done things like SMS OTP. So now you've got to go find your phone and put a code in and it times out and that gets even more complicated. The way of the future is finding a way to use what we have today architecturally by using protocols, the things that make things handshake globally on the World Wide Web, authenticate globally by changing the way we think about authentication. And authentication is critical to everything we do. Everything yeah. authenticates on the web. So mm -hmm. that's what we're on our way to doing. So tell me, how did you come up with the idea of Knock Knock? Well, it, it, I, I would love to claim that I came up with the idea. The real founders of it, the idea was a gentleman named Ramesh Kanasapali. Mm -hmm. uh, he's had an idea for many, many years that he'd worked on with industry people. Could you use things that existed securely on devices? And he started uh, probably 15, 20 years ago and began working with people. Tahir El Gamal, who invented the Gamal cipher, uh, yeah. a very well-known uh, uh, cryptographer. And Michael Barrett, the CISO from PayPal. They were the original founders of what is now known as the FIDO protocol. And came to me, uh, who had, I'd worked at PGP and created an industry standard for encryption. And together we raised the capital to go start what is now known as the FIDO Alliance and the FIDO movement. Why is this important for users on a global basis? I think mm -hmm. the unique thing is, is that people that are traditionally competitors agree that it had to be an industry-wide consortium. It had to get the best minds from all of the companies to work on the standard, uh, to be in the technical committee, the marketing committee, uh, uh, it had to be regional in its scope. It can't be just a North American initiative or a, an Asian initiative or a European initiative. It had to be an initiative that spanned the globe. And they realized that they were going to have to come together and, and try to fill in the hole on the internet that we've been creating by using passwords all this time. Mm -hmm. So why it's important is, is that as they adopt it over time, starting with phones yeah. and then extending back into the firmament, with tablets uh, from the phones, similar operating environments, down to the custom operating systems that people use, Mac OS, Windows, all of those things have to ultimately take the user on a journey without passwords. And the only way to do that is get the hardware manufacturers, the software manufacturers, down to the chip manufacturers. All of those people have come together to work on eliminating this through right, right. what is known as the FIDO protocol. Going back to Knock Knock, what is the fundamental pain that you're addressing? The fundamental pain that we're addressing is, is that the FIDO protocol addresses endpoints, that all users come through an endpoint. And mm -hmm. the real issue in authentication has always been distributing technology to the endpoints to make it secure. We okay. started in the idea that if you could build it in, if you could work with the chip manufacturers, the software layer, operating systems, if you could work with the hardware manufacturers, 
you could ultimately build this protocol right into the firmament of the internet. And by building it into all the endpoints, you then have the ability for relying parties, your bank, your telephone vendor, uh, your insurance company, your medical companies, could take advantage of the security that was now built into the infrastructure of the internet. And that was the goal. The goal was to do four key things. It was to make it easier to use, so you didn't have to use usernames and passwords. Yeah. It was to make it far more secure by using public-private key cryptography under the, under the covers, something that is the most secure thing we know how to do from an access standpoint. The third piece was to lower the cost dramatically from all the different band-aids that you'd had to put on both inside and outside your firewall to make authentication work. And the last was to ensure user privacy. So four key design elements when we came together, we agreed on. We went about writing a specification and then we went about figuring out how to implement it, build it and implement it. This case makes me wonder how Knock Knock is truly different. I need to get to the bottom of this. And, and so that pain that you described, who, who was it today? Uh, I would say that there's three major people that have it today. You have, first of all, the consumer of any data, whether they're inside or outside a firewall. Uh, we like to think of it as there's nobody really today that are consumers, enterprise or partners. They're just people looking for services with devices. So they are the first people that have it. They're trying to get access to information. They're trying to use applications. They're trying to get their work done. They're trying to do their banking. Uh, they're, they're trying to order movie tickets. Mm -hmm. All of those people have the pain on the consumer side. The second group of people that have the pain are the companies that provide the services. They're the people trying to figure out how do I get more customers faster? How do I digitize older uh, capabilities and processes, uh, the whole digital transformation movement? So the corporations and companies trying to provide services. And last is the development teams. The development teams have had to, for many, many years, develop one-offs for authentication. Every device, every sensor, every piece of software had to be in alignment for you to be able to use it. And the default was, we'll just use the username and password, right. which is, was great for the developer to be able to say, hey, at least we've got something the user can use to log in. But over time, it became very cumbersome. Dunk. I thought that the solutions were already out in the marketplace with iCloud Kitchen or Google Password Management or fingerprint or Face ID on my phone and Microsoft launched their own authenticator app. How is the knock-knock solution better? So we believe that it's not only just our core capabilities of scale, of, of deployment, it's also our knowledge about how to solve this problem at scale. We think that our long knowledge of deploying this to tens of millions of customers across five continents gives us an edge. We've actually uh, filed patents on a bunch of very uh, capable pieces of things you're gonna need to do. We filed 81 of them globally. We've been granted wow. 56 patents around our core capabilities. Uh, the EMV Co, the guys that work with the credit card set the standards. Uh, that was a patent that we had, and we gave it to the FIDO Alliance because we felt it would be great if all credit card companies could use mm -hmm. it. So we're not going to enforce that patent as an example. We're going to give it to the good of the industry like we did the original five patents that are the basis of FIDO. We've been able to implement this. As I said, we have almost 600 million key pairs deployed around the world. Uh, very few companies ever get to 600 million of anything. That's a lot of people. <laughs> A lot of people in a lot of places and a lot of very large businesses, six of the top 12 banks in the world, uh, in China alone, 
you add the other banks we've deployed to around the world, we're at eight of 13. Mm -hmm. uh, seven of the top 13 mobile network operators in the world. That, that's all great. The benefit of, of that is, is really critical to people. But technically, we've figured out how to deploy this and, and make it work differently than a lot of people have tried it. We've, we've honed the back end. So the back end can plug and play. We've honed the front end. Or if you're uh, uh, an application we've never seen before, or it's not a standard app, it's a custom app. Most yeah. enterprises have thousands of these. Yeah. We've learned to disintermediate that by having a, a very centralized ability that if you've got a custom app within two weeks, we can give you and make it a FIDO app. Dunk, who are your customers? Most of our customers uh, are, are substantial in their investment. Like I said, most of it's tied to large-scale digital transformation projects. So okay. these are people that whether they're paying us on a subscription basis over a period of years, or they're paying us in the traditional model, or they're out doing transactions, which is the way we account for that is akin to a subscription model. It's very understandable by the, the, our accountants and the people we present our financials to. How long do you think it would take to double your revenue? We're a land and expand model. Mm -hmm. We're selling to people with literally hundreds of millions of users. We have one account that all in accounts more than a billion named users in their databases. And when you look at that, we're just on the beginning in many of these deployments. We have four deployments, more than 50 million users. We have, as I said, almost 600 million users globally. Many of those are just starting to expand. Why is Knock Knock not, not a much, much bigger business today? I did tell the people that invested in us from day one that it was going to take a long time, that this was a major big issue. It's a hole in the internet. It has been since people started using the internet. How do we, how do we know who's there? Yeah. That's why we named the company Knock Knock. Because when I say Knock Knock, what do you say back? <laughs> who's there? Who's there, right? The old kid's joke. Right. That's why we named it Knock Knock. You, you, you very eloquently described the pain that you're addressing in one sentence. Can you do the same for the claim you're making to those customers? Because all customer problems, no matter if they look the same to you or not, they're their problems. And you're trying to solve these set of issues around customer acquisition, customer satisfaction, and ultimately digital transformation. It's all going to be about the interface. And we can show you and reference how and why and what we're able to do for you. And we can prove it with metrics. Now, on a scale of one to 10, how delighted you think your customers are with your product? I, I think that you can go online and go see what, what you know, T-Mobile and Intuit and EBVA and all these other people have said. It, it goes very, very quickly uh, how, how happy the customers are in the reference. Hmm. Doug did not give me a number on the one to 10 scale as I asked him. I am wondering if they truly understand the delightfulness level of their customers, this should be added to their growth level. So we talked a little bit earlier about alignment, which is the secret to grow any business. On a scale of one to 10, to what degree are you, your leadership team, and the rest of your organization fully aligned and able to achieve your growth goals? I think on the, on the core product and where we are currently in the market, there's a lot of alignment in the company. Mm -hmm. I think on what we're looking at for future markets, there's currently a lot of debate about which markets in which order. You know, we don't have unlimited resources and unlimited time. 
yeah. time and activities are everything in, in your, your life. So I think that the debate right now on alignment is going to be about what markets we can take this to. We're already in fintech and mobile network operators and telcos. We've got footholds in insurance. We've got footholds in, in uh, government, you know, et cetera. Uh, people are, are all over us about our blockchain IP. We have a bunch of intellectual property around blockchain and FIDO. Uh, we've got a lot of people coming to us about that. But that's going to require more engineering, more capability to be a complete solution. So I think that we're in alignment on what we currently are doing. I think the debate right now for us is what's next. So, Doc, I, I got my book here, which is Aligning the Dots. And on page 86, I have a quote. And the quote reads, the reality is that the challenge is to transition sales from an art, an art form to a science. And that quote came from a very gracious entrepreneur and actually it came from you. So can you tell us a little bit about, about your thinking behind it? Yeah, I, I, I came up in my career through the sales side and it's, it's unusual as pointed out to me by the great Dick Kramlick, the founder of NEA. <laughs> that most of the people that come up in the Silicon Valley that ever rise to the occasion of being a CEO, they're not come out of sales. And that is because most salespeople tend to think very tactically and they should. How do I get my next deal? How do I close my next deal? How do I get the pipe fatter? Sales, when it's, when it's viewed as an art form, it, it's almost like the same idea that engineering is, how do these guys do the magic? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of it is really good process. It's really good metrics. It's really understanding activities in time where you're building a product, or you're building a pipeline, whether you're taking a customer from, I think we can help you to let's install this thing. Let's in, you know, close it. Let's get the contracts done. Those are all processes. And I've been blessed in my life that people told me that this isn't some mystical thing selling, just like building product isn't a mystical thing. It's a lot of really hardworking people that have great process and great passion for that process. And they transform it from an art form to actually a systematic science of how they spend their time and activities to achieve their goals. Yeah, so now I fully understand and appreciate your earlier comment about, you know, we'll adapt the business model to whatever the customer wants. And, and I think that's very smart because you're not trying, you're, you're trying to understand their needs, their procurement needs or whatever process they use and just say, you know what, we're going to match that and we're going we're gonna to work your way as opposed to a set you know, business model that may not be aligned with what you want to do. We, we, we had one of the most significant deals that we've done since we started the company. It's a game changer. The industry is going to see it in the marketplace next year. Mm -hmm. And the only way they could do it is the way they do things is on that transaction capability. Yeah. And when they came to us, they said, you guys price you know, per person per year or you price this way. Or, and mm -hmm. I said, you know, how, how do you guys want to do this? And I said, the only right. way we can do it is on a transaction basis. So we sat down with the customer and said, what's a win-win here? And built a transaction model where we make money, they bill the way they always bill, and everybody was happy. Okay, here is the part of the alignment zone where we give the business alignment score that describes how well the business is aligned with its target market. This gives us a snapshot of the business and should be measured over time to determine if corrective programs implemented proved successful. So Dunk, let's do the analysis of your business alignment score. At Blue Dots, we build a data-driven, simple, yet powerful tool to measure the alignment along five axes. The four external axes, 
plus the internal axis. The algorithm calculates a business alignment score from 0 to 100 to measure the overall alignment of the business and identified consequential misalignments. Dunk, your business alignment score is very high at 84. Congratulations, this is great. Thank you. Your lower score is the internal alignment at 69%, and the second lower score is related to the pain versus claim alignment at 73. I believe there are three key reasons why your pain versus claim alignment is not higher. One, your pricing is not optimized, which is not uncommon. We recently ran some case studies on close to 100 enterprise software companies at Blue Dots, and we found that 72% of them have not optimized their pricing. Pricing is the most overlooked component of what defines a claim. The second is, the pain you express was not quantified in terms of lost revenue or customer dissatisfaction. And then the third reason is because usability and security, while important, are only part of the digital transformation journey. They are not as central as you indicated, and there are many other factors that are critical to a successful execution of a digital transformation. Yeah, I think that the scores would be in alignment. In fact, I was in a meeting this morning before we uh, are having this conversation about pricing. And I think that one of the things that we are having to look at is price actually tells somebody value. And exactly. And if, if you don't price it correctly, or you actually don't realize the value people are creating, you, you absolutely run into an issue there. I think the second point you make, uh, the, the alignment with, with the security piece as part of digital transformation. I think that being an authentication vendor is one of the things that we have found holds us back. We're really an infrastructure vendor and we've got to do a better job of telling that story. Because FIDO is an infrastructure play. It's not a security play. Right. And we are not, you know, we need to do a better job of messaging that, positioning that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think your third point, uh, is, as you say, the, the pieces that you bring up, and I think this is critical to people looking at alignment in a continuum, that we probably were in pretty good alignment at one point. Mm -hmm. And one of the discussions we had about pricing today that jumped out at me was how many of my team that have been, many of them have been with us nine years said, well, back in 14, we did it this way. And I stopped and thought, well, it's 21 and we're still doing it that way. Maybe the industry's changed or maybe we need to change. Yeah, you know, I, I often talk about this guy named Luke Akins that jumped from a plane uh, without a parachute and he landed in a 100 by 100 foot net. And you as a CEO have a similar challenge. You have to perfectly maintain and create that alignment between your business and the net the same way he has to create and maintain a perfect alignment between his body and the net. Now, the challenge you have, which it doesn't have, is that your net, which is your market, is not static. It's moving and it's shrinking and expanding, which is basically the point you were making. It's like, yeah, we've been doing this for a while this way, but the market is changing. The market is adopting FIDO much faster than before. The market is more receptive to the infrastructure play that you're bringing uh, to its benefit. And so you need to adapt. And, and I think that pricing, the reason I said pricing is overlooked because the founders or the initial team comes up with the pricing, typically copying their competitors, typically. And then they never revisit that. They just keep doing it. And, and I think that's definitely in the way of growth. 
You know, the, the pricing you talked about, I think that, that most people in the Valley miss price. As, yeah. as, as you said, it's, it's, it's the thing that jumps out at you. Um, we've applied a pricing model that we started using at Apple years ago when I worked there. And it was a McKinsey model for pricing. Mm-hmm. And the number one key in it is that you can, you can, take, you can take the pricing and say, is it competitive based on features? Is right. it competitive based on market and product in that set? The number one thing that McKinsey taught us at Apple was it's based on what the customer expects to get for that price. Exactly. And I, think, I think fundamentally where you're going to see us go is, is the way we'll price the product in the future. We've got a new release coming. You're going to see us price around the idea of value-based pricing. You hear people talk a lot about it. This was back when I worked at Apple in, in the late 80s. And they were trying to figure out how we kept delivering product to people with a stack of money next to it for other people to come in and we have been building so many good things. We have to be able to look at and really value it. If somebody says, I just want to do login, then our product has to reflect login and a price for that. That's not very sophisticated. In fact, I would tell you that where this jumped out at me was when I told a bunch of people and my competitors, if they watch this, will hear this. (laughs) You're in a gigantic market that people compare it to free. Our competitive price is not my competitor's products. It's people think usernames and passwords are free. Now, there's a big fallacy around that with password reset and, and all the things that go with that. But in reality, when you talk to people, like we passwords are free. We don't pay for them. You know, or SMS OTP, who's gotten more and more popular, even though it's not very secure. And that's what they want to compare you to in reality. You've got to start pricing it based on the value you bring to that enterprise. Yeah, I mean, again, you guys make about alignment. It's a great point. Yeah, and, and, and people don't align their pricing with value because they don't fundamentally understand the expected value in the heads of their customer and because they don't engineer the putting that value in their heads. It's just whatever the customer thinks, like, no, you have to convince the customer and you have to make sure that that customer understands that this is the value to him or her and that commands, you know, that pricing because of that. I'm about to give dunk and knock knock the prognosis. You need to know that the business alignment score unearths specific misalignments when we deliver a growth playbook. We have to make sure that the plan is actionable and can be implemented. At Blue Dots, we call this staying in the feasibility envelope. My biggest question is whether knock knock can realistically execute faster with passwordless solutions that have to be integrated into existing and complex security environments? Who is controlling the speed of their growth? And could the lack of delightfulness be a clue to address their challenge of growth? I want to share my prognosis and what a growth playbook should look like. Think of it as a high-level blueprint that takes knock-knock to the next level of revenue. So the first one is you're operating in a very noisy environment. And I think part of the challenge is what you talked about. This is not about password. This is about infrastructure and enabling all kinds of services that are difficult to enable today. And there's dozens of companies in the space uh, making some claims. So I think being able to really zoom and define your claim in a very pragmatic and comprehensive way is, is critical. And, and you need to put forward what is truly unique and powerful about your solution and, and the attributes that it has that no other competitor can claim. 
And then of course, you need to back that claim with undisputable and demonstrable uh, proof points. So I would say, you know, how do you how do you emerge on the top of this very noisy, you know, market? I, I think it's I think it's posing the questions differently. Mm -hmm. I give you a question from uh, John Olsik, a guy that I have a ton of respect for. I know John a long time. John's an advisor, to be clear, to the to company from the Enterprise Strategy Group now uh, yeah. with Tech Target. But John said something I thought that really made a lot of sense to me at RSA uh, two years ago. He said, Dunk, so the whole world is going passwordless. So what? Mm -hmm. So what? And I think it's answering the so what question that we've got to do. We champion FIDA. We are you know, synonymous with that architecture. But in reality, to your point, we have got to start showing customers, so what, what does it mean to be passwordless? Both for your customer, for your internal teams, for your business. And we've got to yeah. be able to back it up with industry metrics that show the benefits. You're absolutely right. It's not the what or it's not the how, but it's the why. Why should I buy this product? What are the true benefits to me? And if that cannot be articulated, then it's really hard to grow. Well, you know, you talked about sales earlier, and I told you about training the engineering team. Mm -hmm. The key to the engineering team was not, or the product marketing teams, was not that they learned a, a questioning set of technologies. The key was they learned this thing called FAB, Feature mm -hmm. Advantage Benefit, mm -hmm. which is how you need to answer all customer questions, which what does your capability bring that's better or different than the way I'm doing it today? Right. And ultimately, how is my business going to benefit? Whether that's me personally, my group personally, yeah. or broadly, how do you help me meet the mission of the company? Dunk, another big factor in the speed of growth is closure rate. Can you share your insights on this? So I really think that what you've got is, is you've got an education thing that needs to happen still. I think for us specifically, we have to be in aligning to the benefit and to the, the business model and not saying that everybody that says, hey, we're interested in FIDO or passwordless is actually a prospect. We've yeah. got to be much better to say, tell me about your project. Tell me about the funded priority. Tell me about if this doesn't happen, who's going to lose their job in the company if this doesn't go forward versus the number of times we've been in there. And the guy that was championing it, you know, the guy who really bought into the FIDO vision, he or she left the company and their successor went, what's a FIDO? Right, right. Right. That's how you get your clothes right up. You get mm -hmm. your clothes right up because you qualify well at the front end of the tube of two space, not at the end of what comes out the end. Yeah, I mean, at Budos, we always say we measure the speed of dequalification and the faster you dequalify, the better off you are because you don't bang your head against those walls that you're not going to have a sell anyway because they're not qualified. Relative to building your own growth playbook, tell me about your overarching growth strategy. Any growth strategy has to really look at, I think, two critical pieces. The first piece is targeting. You've got to be in front of the right people at the right time to be able to offer a solution. If you're early or late, uh, competition is going to beat you if you're late uh, or they're going to do something else. If you're too early, they're not going to be ready to, to accept what you, you're proffering. Um, I, I think the other piece of it, though, that is, that is even more critical than that is, are your people ready to meet the moment? Have you built people and built an organization that's ready to meet the moment? And when somebody says, we need X or classic objections about why X is not going to work for them, are you going to fold up and go home or are you right. going to go back and work and figure it out? 
because in an industry where we're new, 10 years old, and we're still new and early, mm-hmm. and we have the staying power, as you said, five years from now, to still have the same passion for solving this problem that we had 10 years ago. And, and fundamentally, I think the best companies know that all planning is strategic yeah. and all planning has to be, back to your point, has to be understood in a communication way because the vehicle you ultimately come up with is a communication and alignment vehicle. Yeah, yeah. It plays exactly to what your book says. How do you revisit it? And how do you get up at every company meeting and revisit the one-page plan to remind everybody, if it's not on this thing, why are we yeah. doing it? You are right, Dunk, about the one-page plan. A good plan must be actionable. This growth playbook, while executed, will accelerate the growth of your company and increase shareholder value. Dunk, in summary, your growth playbook should include four things. One, tell the world about Knock Knock's unique attributes that no other company can claim. Two, back the claim with indisputable points. Three, increase your closure rate by qualifying clients at the front end of the sales process. And number four, hyper-focus your growth strategy with people who are ready to meet the moment of solving your clients' problems. Before we go, tell our audience where they can find out more information on Knock Knock to speed along your growth. I appreciate the time today. Thank you for having me. I hope the listeners gain things that will help them in their journeys. And I would say this, that you can go to nnl.com, knockknocklabs.com, any number of those variations, and find out our story and, and, and the people who've, who've been writing that story. And if there are customers or interested parties, uh, we've got a lot of artifacts up there that you can get that will help you on your journey. It is indeed a great story and very courageous to shape an entire industry flip it upside down, and solve real problems. Dunk, I want to thank you so much for being in the Alignment Zone with us. It has been a real pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you for your time today. Thank you again. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Alignment Zone, please email rick at successmadetolast.com today. That's rick, R-I-C-K, at successmadetolast.com. If you would like to find out more information about aligning your business to optimize growth and get a copy of Dr. Bowie Sue's book, Aligning the Dots, visit bluedotspartners.com today. I'll be right back. You guys do this. You guys do this for a living. <laughs> Is it good? Yeah, it's It's okay. We can take it. Okay, Dan, are you ready? I am comfortable. I don't know if I'm ready. Let's try this again. (laughs) And if you'd like to be a guest on the Alignment Zone, please email rick at successmadetolast.com today. That's rick, R-I-C-K, at successmadetolast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.